In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. You are the example of manhood and everything your kids do to measure manhood should be weighed against you. From men in the arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Jim Ramos. I'm here with my good friend Dale Culver, and this is Equipping Men in 10. We got a real special show lined up for you today, but before we do, do you have a man law, Dale? I do. I stole this from you, and uh, I remember the conversation you had with a man in a coffee shop one time in a group, and this is, you are the spiritual leader in your home. Yes, that is true. Explain. Well, it's you can't defer that to youth pastors, your pastor, or anybody else. Yeah, you know, you are the spiritual leader in your home. God ordained you to do that. You are the head of the household, and you need to act like it. And uh, the climate of your home rests upon you. Yeah, even in a society that talks about egalitarianism, and and I, I do, I agree with egalitarianism to the degree that we share loads. Couples, both couples, often work. You know, your wife works, my wife works. But when it comes to spiritual headship. God has a certain hierarchy he's established, and the word uh, for submission, which I do not apologize for when God told her to submit to me, that is a military word. It talks about rank, and so we have the rank of leader, and that is our rank, and so we can't shrink back from that uh, or shirk away from that. We need to uh, lean into it. So, all right. Well, that's good, man. Thanks for that. Yeah. We're going to get into the meat of the podcast for the next couple equipping episodes. I want to do something different. I want to hear from our arena men. You know, we have a great forum. Uh, we have guys constantly emailing us at info at menandarena.org asking questions, giving us feedback. And I thought it'd be really fun to mix it up a little bit and do an equipping, couple equipping episodes where we're letting the guys ask us the questions. We've pulled several questions off our forum, and we're going to answer them today. And guys, if you have any questions you'd like answered, we have several slots that we're opening up for the year that we're going to answer those questions, and we want to make this a regular diet on the Men Arena podcast. We also want to have several of you uh, MVPs come on our show, and we want to interview you personally about uh, how this ministry has affected your life, your marriage, your commitment to your community and your church. So if you have any of those victory stories, we'd love to get you on our show as well. So we have a couple things we're changing up a little bit about the podcast. We're really excited about what this year has to hold. So uh, do you want to start off with the first question, Dale? Read it to me, and I'll see if I can hit it out of the park. Yes, this is Josh Schittle from Vacaville, California. And his question is, how do you teach your children how to be a true man when all the examples they get of being a man is in the media's version? 
Yeah, you know, all of these questions obviously have been sent to us. They were typed and we read them. And so when I'm reading these, I'm, I'm trying to read into the question. So there's a focus here when he says, all the examples they get of being a man is in the media's version. So I would just push back on that a little bit. If the, your children's only example is from the media, then I just wonder, where are you? <laughs> you know, because their primary example should be you. So I guess that's that just jumped out and hit me in the face. Are you not the primary example? And so, men, we are the primary example. As far as the media goes, it's our job as the spiritual leaders to regulate the media, right? Mm, so when yeah. my, my kids were growing up, we had we didn't have cable in the home. We had one channel, it was really and then the kids watched like Barney and like <laughs> kids stuff. And so you are the guy who's in charge of regulating what they see. Now I agree that the media is so inundated society that we can't help some of these things. However, I would ask, are you the example and what are you doing to regulate media? And so here's what I do want to say about that. In 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul said something to his protege, Timothy, that I thought was very appropriate. He said, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Okay, that's great. But this is the second, this next part is what I really want to focus on. But set an example for all the believers, and I would add, in your home, in these five areas, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So what I would say to all of our men, and this is not just for Josh, this is for all of our guys, right? And all for all of our guys, what? how is your example in speech? How are you framing your wife to your kids? What are you saying about other people when they're not around? How are you generally speaking to them, right? So how are you modeling speech in your home? Number two, how are you modeling conduct? Are you... Uh, going to church, or are you a CEO, Christmas, Easter only? You know, are you giving to the church financially, and do your kids see it? Are you serving financially, the kids see it? Are you living a life that they want to model theirs after? You know, are you an example? <laughs> you know, are you an example in how you live your life? Are you an example in, in love? Are you an example in how you're loving their mother? You know, the greatest way you can show these kids that you're a great man is to love their mother. And so she's the most important person on the planet, and how you love her will say everything. Do you love your kids? Are you attending their events? Are you a regular face? Are you there so often in their life it's boring to them, that it's boring to them? So in faith, again, I already mentioned parts of that. Are you are you involved in your church? We have uh, seven steps to walking with God. They deal with our faith. They spell the word walking. How are you doing with regular attendance of worship? A w A. Are you approaching God daily in prayer? And do your kids see it? Do you model that? Do you pray before the meals? L, are you loving other believers in Christian fellowship? In other words, are you involved in regular fellowship with other believers? K, knowing the word of God. You should know the word as a man better than anybody in your household. Do your kids see you with a Bible open? Do you have a Bible laying around? Do you know the Bible? Do you quote the Bible to them often? I, are you investing your fiscal and physical resources. So this is an investment. I, are you investing your resources in God's kingdom? Do your kids see you loaning out your stuff for kingdom-oriented events? Do you give financially? N, are you nurturing other people into the faith? Are you nurturing your children to be devoted followers of Jesus? Are you trying to reach lost people that your kids see you sharing your faith? Uh, are you nurturing your wife 
spiritually. And then the last one, uh, the last one is G, giving your life the gospel cause. We have worship, approaching God in prayer, loving other believers, knowing the word of God, investing in God's kingdom, nurturing people in the faith, giving your life to the gospel cause. So that means, are you, bro, are you sold out for Jesus? So, so I would say this, you are the example of manhood. And you should be the primary example of manhood. And everything your kids do to measure manhood should be weighed against you. And if it is not, you need to step it up. So, I know in your family too, Jim, that uh, as your boys were growing up, I remember hearing something about constantly everything has got to be a sermon illustration or... <laughs> So finding examples in life that they can learn from that go back to what the Bible says about a man. Yeah. And so when you see something in the media that is contradictory to what a man is, you point it out. So yeah. you're censoring essentially and teaching through those moments. Well, you have all do- well, you have a son now, you've adopted a son, but you have three older daughters and all of your daughters have modeled their life after you. They're tremendous servants. They're tremendous servants. And that's because you've modeled that. So I think a lot of this is our modeling with the kids. You know, I just got back from a wonderful event in Burlington, Vermont, with a keynote at an event there with five, 400 guys. And it was so cool. My son Darby took time off work, flew out with me, sold over $2,000 worth of books and resources, came back. We had a busy weekend, mm-hmm. but he was able to, he videoed my messages and he shared the vision and shared the resources and what he knew. And this is just part of the modeling, right? Mm-hmm. Really, really cool to see it's that so good. happen. So, all right. Hey, you got a next question. All right. Next question is Jeremy MacArthur from Manchester, Connecticut. He says, how does the curse of toiling affect us? Hey, first of all, I want to say hi to Jeremy. Uh, we met at YWAMDP in Belize, and his beautiful wife, Heather, is actually from Hillsboro, Oregon. So shout out to him and say hi to your wife for me, uh, Jeremy. And Jeremy's in Manchester. I wish I knew that because we spoke at an event there three years ago. We could have had um, them uh, take yeah. us to T-Bones. Remember that dinner? Yeah, that was yeah. good. So how does the curse of toiling affect us? So this is really interesting. This goes back to Genesis 3.17 through uh, Genesis 3.19. Uh, after Adam and Eve fell and, and sinned, God said to Adam, quote, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat from the fruit all of the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. So that's a powerful thing. So so Jeremy's wanting to know about how this curse of toiling or working now for our food affects us. And, and Jeremy, I think that's a great question, and I think you already know the answer to it because it's so detailed in, in how he asked it. But here's what I would say, man. We work from the time we are five years old until the time we are 70. We will either work or go to school about a third of our life. Is that? Would you agree with that, Dale? We're, we're constantly learning, for a sure. Third, well, a third or a fourth of our life is either invested in working or going to school to mm-hmm. someday work. Yeah. So we spend almost as much time working as we do sleeping. So this is a 
a, a huge part of who we are as people. And I would say uh, we have guys listening to this podcast from eighty from ninety different countries, but in America, we have a problem with overwork. If you ask an American how you doing, man, he's going to say I'm busy. He's going to say that so every busy. I'm so busy, and he says it like, "Hey, man." It's his like it's his way of bragging. Woe is me. Yeah, you shouldn't brag about being busy. It's honestly that's a bummer if you're busy. It's not something to brag about. It's something to work through because you've got a problem. You know what I'm saying? But so we because of this curse of toiling. But this curse is not just an American curse. It's a it's a worldwide. It's a global curse. We will work half a third of our life. We will identify a lot of times with our work, and this is the thing that hits me with manhood. Because this is not a curse I see with women. I think this is specifically designed for men. When God cursed Adam, he cursed Adam. He gave Eve a different set of curses. (laughs) But with Adam, he cursed Adam to toiling for work. And I think the number one thing that affects a man with this curse of toiling, as Jeremy put it, is this. When I walk into a room and I ask a guy, how's he doing? He always says... Busy. And if I ask, the first thing I ask a guy when I meet him is, what's your name? And the second question I ask the guy is what, Dale? What What is the second question that we ask what guys? What do you do? What do you do? Exactly. I, we didn't rehearse this. It's the curse, man. Because men, I the curse is to be tempted for, as a man to identify, to find their identity in their work. That's why you see when men retire, Early, they often die real soon after because everything about them is wrapped up in their work. That's a curse because the way God has ordained it for man is that everything we identify is to be identified in Christ as a follower of Jesus, as a son of the one true king. And so we are in a constant state of tension between identifying with our king and identifying with our work. And so it's really a theological issue, right? And I think this is an issue that men have Everywhere I go. See, a man will typically compartmentalize his work, right? And he will also compartmentalize his God. But Mm. see, God does not want to be a part of your life. He wants to be all of your life. You know, Bill and Pam Farrell wrote a book called Men Are Like Spaghetti. Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. Uh, And Mark Gunger with uh, Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage also talks about this. And men are like waffles in that they're compartmentalized. Well, if a man is like a waffle, Jesus wants to be the syrup. He wants to saturate your whole life so that your whole identity is, is identity is wrapped up in him, and work is just one pretty large component of your life. And so that's what I would say, Jeremy. I would say, uh, great question, by the way, and I'd say, hey, we need to focus on making Jesus our everything, and he would permeate and saturate all aspects of our lives. So thank you, guys. Hey, we only had a chance to get to two questions. We're at 14 minutes. So, Dale, we probably have to wrap it up uh, today, but let's uh, hit another one. Let's uh, do this the next couple weeks. Uh, if you have any more questions, info at menofthearena.org, and make sure you get a copy of my bathroom book for men. When you do, we'll add you to our equipping blast. And so until next time, guys, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Ask us a question. Grind it out. And be a man. 
Men in the Arena is a non-profit, crowd-funded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version. We're able to freely offer this podcast, weekly equipping blasts, discussion forums, plus our small group resources to the three M's, active military, missionaries, and men in underdeveloped nations. This could only happen because of a large group of generous donors like you. You can find out more about how to support our ministry at meninthearena.org. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.